is like my best friend. And so I never wanted to hurt her by being so curious about my birth parents. But we've had a lot of discussions about it. And she's very receptive and supportive of me doing this. But it was always a fear of mine that it would be hurtful to her. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon, and today my husband, Noah, joins us. Hey, Noah. Hi. Hey, so we are the adoptive parents of four beautiful kids. We don't just talk about adoption, we live adoption. And here we are on season five. Can you believe it? No, it's unbelievable. If you're new to Adoption Now, we tell stories from all over the world from the perspective of the birth parent, adoptee, and adoptive parent. We talk about adoption and foster care and the real issues that are happening right now. If you're about to start your adoption journey or you need help in your adoption process, we want to connect you to the resources you need. We have agencies, therapists, and lawyers that can help you. Check out our website at adoptionnow.com. And if you have a story, we would love to hear it. Recently, we have had an influx of people applying to tell their stories. So I want you to know we are getting them, we are reading them, and we will be in contact with you soon. Hey, good news. We are now on YouTube. And maybe you're listening to the story and you want to see the interview. You can go to Adoption Now on YouTube and watch the video. Very cool. Hey, Noah, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm excited to be here. It's been a little while. Yes. And we are growing like crazy. It's it's really awesome to see the growth in the last three years and how much has changed and how much we've learned ourselves. Yes. And all of these new stories. And it's become an international podcast. It's pretty unbelievable. It's pretty cool to have people apply from Israel and the UK and Canada and to be hearing adoption across the world and how it represents different things to different people. I mean, you and I have changed a lot in three years. We were just listening to our first podcast and we're like, oh my goodness. And you know, you and I are going to do a podcast together and talk about the things that we've learned, but I just can't believe how much we've changed and grown. And some areas are good. Some areas are like, oh my gosh, (laughs) maybe we didn't want to know that much information, but definitely I'm happy to have you back on the show. And people are asking for you. I don't know why, but what do you mean? (laughs) I'm excited to be here. People love to hear your side of the story. You know, it's important for other adoptive parents to hear an adoptive dad's side. And you add this very rich fatherhood advice to every podcast. So thank you for being here. I know I drag you on, but soon I think you're going to learn to just love it. You're going to be like, I'm getting there. Yeah. Can I do the podcast? It's so awesome, (laughs) right? This is not Noah's normal job. This is not his full time job. So, Thank you for being here. Okay, today we have a story. Now, I've heard the story, but you haven't. Right. So you're going to have a lot of questions. We have Jackie Bradfield, an adult adoptee. She's a licensed mental health counselor in Orlando, Florida. She enjoys traveling, spending time with her friends and family, fitness, being outdoors, and she has a husband and two beagles. She is an adult adoptee here, and she wants to share her story, and she's asking us to help her. So Jackie, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's good to be here. Are you nervous? I'm actually a little bit nervous. Yeah, I've never done a podcast before, so this is new for me. How did you hear about us? So interestingly enough, I've done a search for my birth parents. I picked it up and stopped a couple times throughout my life. And this most recent time, I was getting kind of frustrated. I don't know anybody else who's adopted. So I literally just Googled adoption podcast just because I wanted to hear other people's stories. And that's how I found you. So did you listen to any other adoptee stories? I did. I listened 
to a few, and I'm going to forget her name. The first one I listened to was a young woman who had been adopted, and I think she had found her birth mother or father through Ancestry.com. That was the first episode that I listened to. Okay, Sarah, Sarah Winger. Yes, And she came on and shared her story, and then later... She went to find her birth family. And it was funny because when I first interviewed her, she said, no, 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 I don't want to find them. I love my adoptive family. And that is a struggle that a lot of adoptees have is I love my adopted parents, my parents, but I am scared to find my biological. I don't want to hurt my adoptive parents. And so they're stuck in this place where they're interested in finding their story, but then afraid to hurt their family. And I just want to say that you can have both. You can love your adoptive family, and you can also go on the search for your identity and your birth family. So I just want to encourage people that if you're listening, it's okay for you to do both. So I'm excited that you came to us because you're kind of stuck in your story and hopefully we can help you push forward. But let's start at the very beginning. Do you know why your parents wanted to adopt? Yes. So my mom has a congenital heart defect, so she could not have children. And I think that that was always, you know, really important to her. So that's why they started the process at that time. Were you her first match? No, I was not. They actually were matched in a more um, open adoption type of situation. And they ended up meeting the the birth mother and, and had, you know, a relationship with her for a few months. And they actually, my mom and this birth mother, they actually ended up choosing the same name for the child. They kind of, they wrote the name on a piece of paper and then they showed it to each other, and it was the same name. And wow. then after that, yeah, after that, the birth mother decided to keep the baby. And from that point on, my mom was, and dad were both, like, wanted only a closed adoption. So I was not the first. Oh, that's so interesting. It's so hard to go through that process. Of course, you want the best for the child. And so if the birth mother changes her mind, Yes, we want, you know, her to parent if she wants to parent, but it's so hard on the adoptive parent end. I mean, I just see the look on Noah's face. He's like, oh, that's so hard. So when they got matched to you, tell us how that happened. So they went through Catholic Social Services, and my mom says that they were actually at the golf course. They were, like, hitting balls at the driving range. It was, like, 5 o'clock on a Thursday, and they said, we have a baby girl for you. And so I was born on April 4th. And then I was in foster care for about three weeks before I was placed with them. And what year is this? 1987. So they bring you home. And did you have a name? What was your backstory? My mom says I did not, or she's not aware that I did. She can't remember, or she just wasn't, she wasn't told. Did you have any information? Did she know, I mean, where your birth family was? So I have, basically, the agency gave me a two-page sheet of paper, and it had a full description of both of my birth parents physically, um, some of their, like, ethnic background, and then their education background and what they were doing at the time that they found out that that they were pregnant. Okay, so they get you at three weeks, and they named you Jackie. Yes. And tell us about the whole experience for them and what they've told you. From what my mom, and, and most of this is from my mom, um, you know, I have a relationship with my dad, but this is not something that we've ever talked about. So all of this information is pretty much from my mom. It, She said, and she describes that it kind of all just, I fit very seamlessly. It was, I look a lot like my adoptive family. So I think a lot of times my family forgets. It's just, 
it's something that my mom and I always talked about. She was always very open with me that I was adopted. But the rest of my family, I honestly don't know that we've we've ever touched on it or talked about it, which is kind of funny. Really? Mm-hmm. You have a story when you were three that did you tell somebody that you weren't adopted? So my mom, I think somebody said something. I don't remember who or know who. And my mom says that I would always say, I'm not adopted. And I would get upset and, and like yell that I wasn't adopted. And it's kind of funny. But she tells that story a lot. And I remember hearing that growing up. At what point do you think you accepted that you were adopted? I mean, did that ever sink in or you kind of just thought that's a back part of my story? You know, I, I accepted it, I think, probably at like five, I would say, because in kindergarten, we had some other friends in my class who were also adopted. So it became a little bit more normalized for me. And then after that, probably until I was in college, it was very much like just backstory. I, it was something I didn't really think about or didn't acknowledge until I was in college. And what happened in college where you stopped and said, okay, I have to address this? I think it was me hitting the age of my birth parents, like around that time. So Mm. my birth mother was 23 and my birth father was 22. They were both seniors in college when I was born. And so I think that was the time when I'm like, kind of start, it started hitting me. And that's when I, I, I took the first steps around that time to see if I could locate them or find them. It's funny when you say that, they kind of forgot you were adopted. And I think that when you have a close relationship, that happens sometimes. People can hear you say that and go, wait, so you were in denial or they didn't talk to you enough. But honestly, our children, they do not look like us. And I forget when I'm out with AJ and people are staring at me, I'm like, what are they looking at? (laughs) And then I realize, oh, okay. They're trying to figure out who this child is and what our relationship is because he's African-American, but we just go day to day. We are a family. We focus on being a family. We don't focus every day on, Hey guys, you're adopted. Do you want to talk about your adoption? There are times for that. Absolutely. But for the most part, we are just cultivating a culture of family. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And, and our kids definitely resemble us in Mm -hmm. certain ways. And we laugh a lot about how sometimes AJ or Lily will do something that is so us or you or even your mom or my parents, like they'll have these little personalities that come out. They go, oh my goodness, what, what just happened? That's mm-hmm. me, but at seven or eight years old. So yeah, I think the family unit is really important. And Jackie, it sounds like your parents created that environment for you too. Yeah, for sure. And I think you're absolutely right. And it was also my extended family's goal to just, yeah, not sweep it under the rug, but just be like, well, of course she's family. Like, why would this be something that we consistently address if she's not wanting to bring it up? So I, I always appreciated that. I, I liked it that way. You didn't feel ashamed? You know, it's interesting you ask that. I never did growing up, but I think for some reason, the older I get, that's been something I've had to process through is it's almost like this feeling of, should I, should I not talk about this? Isn't this something too private and too personal? So that's something that I've had to work through as an adult. I think only a couple of my close friends even knew that I was adopted till recently. Do you feel like when you tell people, they kind of, you've told them a disease? Like they, they're like, <laughs> oh, like they don't know what to say or they feel bad or, I mean, I think people have a hard time responding when somebody says, I'm adopted. It's, I'm laughing because, yeah, I never thought of it that way, but absolutely. I, 
you know, people get this look in their eyes. I'm like, no, no, it's really okay. It's just part of my story. So I'm telling you. But yeah, sometimes people can be a little bit awkward about it. Yeah, I think that that takes a little education. And for people to realize that that's just a part of your story, you know, and I think you can also, when you're talking to an adoptee, you read them just you can tell how they feel about their adoption by the way they present it to you. So if they say it in a way that's like, oh, I'm adopted, like they're going to tell you and I'm really struggling, then you would be like, oh, okay, well, you'd ask questions. But if they're like, I'm adopted, don't look at them like, ooh, yikes, <laughs> what was that like? You right, know? right. My kids noticed that too. We were watching a show, Ninja Warrior, and the girl was a biological daughter, but she had a African-American dad and a Caucasian mom. And she was saying that she felt really bad when people thought she was adopted because that's my mom. She's like, just because we have different color skin doesn't mean that's not my mom. And AJ's like, why would she feel bad if people think she's adopted? (laughs) Like being adopted is awesome. And I'm like, oh yeah, you think that, but sometimes people in the world have a different perception of it. Interesting conversation that we have. We always have these weird, interesting conversations on the, when we allow them to watch like The Voice or Ninja Warrior, we're like, oh, now we have to have an educational conversation. Pretty much any show. (laughs) It's true. Disney shows, especially. It is true. Wow. Yes, because parents are dying a lot on Disney shows. Parents are dying. There's a lot of adoption. That's very true, Noah. Okay, so you're in college and you're starting to feel like, I want to find out who I am. What was your next step? Like I said, I had that two-page document that had, so it had a, it has a physical description of both, like height, weight, hair color, eye color. It said what their majors were in college, and obviously they were seniors in 1987. So my next step was they went to a small, like, private school in the Orlando area, which is where I live. So I gathered two or three of my friends. And we actually went down to the college and we went into the library and we literally, this college, because it's so small, they have yearbooks. So we spent probably four hours down there just looking through these yearbooks, looking at people's pictures, say, okay, does that person fit the description? What's their major? Does that person fit this? And we ended up photocopying maybe three or four pages and finding maybe three to five people that could fit for either my birth father or birth mother. Wow. That was my first first venture into doing this, very amateur style, but I tried it and I actually found a couple of them on Facebook, but I didn't reach out. I didn't do anything. I just kind of held on to this information at the time. Okay. I can totally see you guys at the library and you're holding up the yearbook and you're like, does she look like me? What about this one? I mean, were you looking also at like physical features? Like who looks most like me? That's actually exactly how it went. And it's funny because I would do this kind of thing even when I was little. Like I remember being like eight years old and being convinced that Mariah Carey was my birth mother. And that's not even what my birth mother looked like. But I was convinced. I was like, I look like her. This is enough. Like this is her. My mom's like, no, you, this is not real, but okay. I guess that's normal for adoptees. You kind of look yes. for yourself out there. Mm-hmm. But you did identify with your parents and you were close to your parents. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, totally. And, and that's always been kind of the struggle is my mom is like my best friend. And so I never wanted to hurt her by being so curious about my birth parents, but we've had a lot of discussions about it and she's 
very receptive and supportive of me doing this, but it was always a fear of mine that it would be hurtful to her. Mm -hmm. It is hard. It is hard as an adoptive parent to say, yes, I want to go and look for, for these people. And, and then to think, well, what if, what if you find them? And then what if you like them more? Or what if you go to Christmas there? Did they adopt any more children? No, I'm the (gasps) only child. Oh, so you are it for them. And so there's a lot riding on me. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think <laughs> yes, that that I is, it. it's hard, but I think it's important for you to push forward. Okay. Tell me more about this piece of paper that had the information. So they were boyfriend and girl. What did it say on this paper? Okay. So they were actually a couple in college. So they were seniors in college. Okay. Born. So the paper has, you know, my birth mother was five, two, she was 23. She had blonde, curly hair and green eyes. And I know that she was a theater major. So that was how I kind of assisted when I looked at the yearbooks to look for the theater majors that looked like this. It also has what her interests were and also like how she described her personality. And then I have information about her parents, which is really interesting. My biological maternal grandmother is also a therapist. Mm. So I thought that's kind of funny. And I also have... I guess she would be a biological aunt who is two years older than my birth mother. Wow. You have a lot of information. Are you surprised about that? I am. I am. Isn't it interesting that they went to this private school, they were in their senior year. So you wonder, well, you know, they had money or they came from a family that had money. Yep. And you're wondering, okay, so who talked them into that? Did they decide together that adoption? All these questions come up. I'm sure you've asked yourself that too, Jackie. For sure. So I've had access to this paper for as long as I can remember. So all through the years, I've always looked back at it and, you know, tried to kind of like build this profile of these two strangers that I've never met and what they were like. So that's been kind of interesting. Okay. So you go to the library, you find all these possible birth mothers. And what do you do with that information? How long before you take the next step? So literally, I do nothing for two years, which has been how the search has been. I start and then I stop. So I did nothing for two to three years, I think, just sat on this information. And then I decided that I was going to do this the legitimate way. And I reached out to Catholic Social Services. So I asked them to contact my birth parents for me and see if they would be receptive to communication. So it took a couple months and I heard back in a letter And they were able to locate my birth father, but he did not want contact or communication at that time. And so that was kind of, that was closed then. And I got a a strange response on my birth mother. They told me that they couldn't locate her because she moved frequently. And at that time, I, you know, it's tough. I, I tried to kind of call Catholic Social Services and, and see if I could understand that a little bit more. But unfortunately, I just never got anywhere with anybody. So again, it kind of got tabled for a couple years after that. Okay. So did they reach out to your birth father? They did. Yes. Okay. So did they give you his name? They gave me nothing. They just said, we found him. We asked if he wanted communication and he has said no at this time. And they didn't give you any other information. Like if you wanted to try to contact him yourself. No, nothing. That it was it was literally like two sentences. It wow. was such a small letter. And I remember getting it. I was in my at my mom's house with my well, he was my boyfriend at the time, my husband now. 
And I got this letter and I remember just folding the letter back in the envelope and I put the envelope in my purse and I'm like, all right, let's, you guys ready to go to dinner? Let's go to dinner. And my mom and my boyfriend were both like concerned because this is obviously a big piece of information and something that likely would upset me. And I just kind of, I didn't process it at the time. It took me some time to really process that rejection, really. Yeah, I think that that is everybody's fear is that they're going to reach out and try to find and then they can locate one family member, but the family member is going to say no. I mean, that right. is that's heavy. How did you feel? How did you process it? It took me a, a while. It took me some time to really come to terms with, okay, like you tried this, you did really everything you could do. And still this is, this person doesn't want to have contact. And I tried to be really empathetic and understand that, you know, maybe he's not in a place in his life where that's a possibility. Maybe he just thinks this is for the best. He may have another family. So I came to peace with it, but it took some time. And what was your next step? So again, I stopped for a while, which is, you know, the pattern with me. I started, then I stopped. And so I stopped for a number of years. I think about five years. I didn't really try anymore, didn't look. And then the whole ancestry thing came out. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to do the DNA test, and I'm going to see if anything gets, if anyone pulls up. So I did, and I had a I didn't have any direct matches, which I wasn't too surprised about, but I had a lot of like second and third cousins. So basically what I did was I looked for a common last name and I Googled that last name and then Googled some of the information that I had already had in my paper that I had. And I located who I am very confident was my birth father. So what next? <laughs> <laughs> so I was impulsively kind of, I was like, I'm going to write him a letter. I'm going to write him a letter and I'm going to say, you know, this is me. This is my life. This is who I am. Also saying thank you for that decision that you made 32 years ago, because I have a wonderful life and a wonderful family. But if you want contact with me, I would be open to that. So I ended up including a picture. And at the end, I said, you know, if you don't want contact, that's total. I, I will respect that and I will not reach out again. And so I sent the letter. I went to the post office and I, I made sure that it was certified to the point where he had to show his driver's license to receive the letter. It couldn't be somebody receiving it on his behalf. So it took, <laughs> every time I, you tell the story, I think of Elf. And I told you that and you had not seen that movie. <laughs> but Elf goes and he finds his dad at work. Remember, and then he he buys that like weird lingerie, yes. and like, and it's like from your son to my dad because he has no idea of like anything. And I just think about how oh my gosh, here he is. You're sending it to his work, right? And so I had to send it to his work because I didn't have another address, and I also I didn't want to, I didn't want a secretary or something signing for it and and potentially opening this really private letter. So I was just trying to cover all my bases. So I received where I got like the confirmation from the post office, maybe a week later that it had been delivered and received. And then this was June of last year. So I just waited and I waited and I waited and I never got anything back. And this time when I had that happen, I was much 
more okay with it Hmm. because I felt more in control. I felt like I reached out. I, this was on my terms and it's okay. I understand if you don't, if you're not at that place with this yet. And it also helped because when I did this search, I was able to find a picture of him. Mm -hmm. And so even just the simple fact that I had a photo, I'll never forget my husband and I had went out to dinner when like I found out about all the ancestry stuff, when my results came in. And after we found him online, I remember coming home and we were like drinking bourbon like crazy because I was like, this is a lot. I don't know if I can handle this. (laughs) And I went into the bathroom and I looked in the mirror and it sounds silly, but it was the first time that I looked in the mirror and I saw my own eyes and I could say, there's somebody out there who has these same eyes and I've seen them. Hmm. That's so profound. It really is to identify with somebody that looks like you. And you don't even really have to have a relationship, but did it take away, what did it do? Did it take away loneliness? Did it make you feel more of an identity? Something about just that simple picture of, okay, I can see where certain physical traits I have come from. And we look very similar physically. So that was also helpful. And I think it was just closure. That's the best way I could say it. It was closure. I think you should show up to his office and be like, hey, look at my face. Do you know anyone here that looks like me? I'm just kidding. I'm already sweating and people are going to be writing me. Don't you gave the worst advice. My friend said the same thing. She's like, we should just show up. I'm like, absolutely not. Like, I, I, I totally do respect his decision. It's hurtful in a way, but I really do respect and understand it. Mm -hmm. Maybe he hasn't told his other family or maybe he hasn't come to terms with what happened. What I wish though, is that he would at least write you back and say, I'm not ready for this relationship, but your birth mother's name is. Yeah. I mean, and I had a lot of people ask me, well, why didn't you ask him in the letter? Why don't you ask him for her name? And do I regret it? Maybe a little bit, but in my head at the time, I didn't want to put him in this position to out her, so to speak. And I don't know why. I'm always just very cautious. I don't want to put them in a weird situation. So that was my thought back then as to why I didn't ask. Okay, but you're not giving up because you're on the show. And if you're listening to the show and you help people find their birth family, Jackie needs your help. She was born in Florida. She was raised in Florida. And there, it just feels like when it's state to state, it's got to be easier than this. I mean, especially with Ancestry.com and 23andMe and Facebook, you know, somebody has to know something. There has to be a cousin that knows something. Where do you think? There's got to be something. I'm thinking all kinds of things. I'm thinking, Jackie, send us all the information you've gotten. Yeah. April and I are like we are. the investigators. We'll, we'll go even deeper and see if we can help you. But then I was also thinking as your background in therapy, my thought would be, don't you wish like maybe there'd be a therapist that would go to your birth father and just sit down and talk to him and say, Hey, this is what you don't have to have full communication. You don't have to do this, but just open that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, totally. As a therapist, you know, I have this unique perspective on this whole situation, I think, but obviously it's hard to therapize yourself sometimes. <laughs> True. It doesn't yeah. always work. I've tried. It doesn't work. But yeah, totally. I do wish that. And I wish I wish he could see and know who I am to know that really I don't mean to be a threatening presence. Like I just 
even just a letter back or something would have been appreciated. Mm -hmm. But again, I do, I understand it's okay. I think the worst part or the hardest part of all this is it's the unknown. So like with my birth mother, I have just run into roadblock after roadblock trying to find her. Like even through ancestry, pretty much all the people that came up would have been on his side Mm -hmm. or, you know, tied to him. There were few people that would have been tied to her and those people I did message. And one of them responded was very nice and, and said, you know, I, I don't know. I don't even know anyone who's been to Florida in my family. So that was kind of a dead end. And then I messaged a couple others and they just never responded. So it's just been a lot of dead ends. And I think that's part of why I wanted to come on is because this podcast has been so great for me just being able to hear other adoptees and also, you know, birth parents and adoptive parents, all the different perspectives to not feel so alone and isolated in this. Hmm. And I wanted to, to share my story for anybody who's listening, who may be in the same position as me, because it can be hard. The not knowing can sometimes be the hardest part. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with that. That's why I don't want you to give up. I do think that you're story is out there. And I do think that you're going to find it. And I think that there's got to be somebody. And even if you wrote another letter to your birth father and said, I don't want a father, I'm not looking for parents. I had great parents, like you said, but I just want to know my story. You know, that everybody's, it's everybody's right to know that I feel. And so I just hope that you find those answers. And I'm glad that here in this community at Adoption Now that you're finding at least some comfort and some support. That's why we have this show is so that you listen to another story and you go, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. And I also like what you said in the very beginning of this podcast, you said that you felt better when you were five because you met other adoptees. That is so important when we're raising kids now is bringing them into a community of people who also have adopted. Our kids are around so many other adopted kids, they think everybody's adopted. Like when somebody has their <laughs> yeah. a biological child, they're like, that is weird. That's their kid. They're not adopting. I'm like, no. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that we want to come out of the show is how to create a community and how to raise children so that they're not the only one. At the end of the day, Jackie, though, I really want you to find those answers. And obviously we're here to help too. Noah is the best private investigator you could ever meet. People write us messages and they want us to find their birth mothers to find out if their birth mothers are scamming them. Noah will find anyone. He will find the criminal background. He is like amazing. So I do think that he can help you, but also there's got to be somebody that's listening that does this for a living Yes, and they can connect you too. But I thank you so much for contacting us and sharing your story. And I thank you for being a positive light in the adoptee community. I thank you for, for being thankful and also being honest about your real feelings. That's really hard. Some people feel like you have to live in one place. I'm either, like I said in the beginning, I'm either thankful or I'm just super hurt and I'm super angry. And you know, in the adoption world, we experience a lot of different emotions and it takes a a very brave person to talk about the different aspects of their journey. So I appreciate that. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. And yeah, it is, it's hard to like live in the middle and not live in the unknown and live in the middle of. I have this great family. I have this great, wonderful life, but I am curious as to where I came from. Mm -hmm. We want to help you. We really do. 
Yeah. So send all your stuff to Noah. And also, okay. how are you helping the adoption community? As a therapist, do you mentor other adoptees? So I don't. And where I should say I don't yet. And the reason being, I, as a therapist, it's really important to me that I sort my stuff out before I decide to kind of be a therapist to people who have gone through similar things. So it's only been within the last couple of years that I feel like I really have sorted a lot of these emotions out. My background is actually working with people who have eating disorders. That's been my primary background. But I have thought about extending that into the adoptee community in some way. We'll just kind of have to see how it goes. How can people get a hold of you if they say, you know, I think you'd be perfect to talk to, or I think that my teenager needs to hear your story or talk to you. I know there are people out there that they want another adoptee to talk to their child. And I know right now they're even listening. I had people write in and say that they sit their teenagers down to listen to these adoptee stories, their adopted teenagers, to connect with an adult that's been through it and all these similar emotions. So you could really help the adoption community. What is your contact information as far as your website? You can email me at Jackie at agapementalhealth.org. That's the private practice who I work through. So any kind of like therapy inquiries can just be sent to my direct email there. Awesome. And I will put all of that in social media. Thank you, Jackie, for coming on the show. And thank you, Noah, for your time. Thanks for having me. Jackie, it was great to meet you. It was wonderful to meet you both. Thank you. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and remember, all of our podcasts are available at our website at adoptionnow.com. Thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week.